episode of Learned, the podcast, with your hosts, Dr. John Paul and Kevin Allred. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Learn. I am one of your hosts, Dr. John Paul. And I'm Kevin. Number two. Good morning. <laughs> yes, number two. You actually, no, you number one, too, girl. Two. You ain't number two. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What, didn't Beyonce say that? Uh, She's like, still. I'm number, uh, in the room, I'm... So she said, "I'm top two top and not number two. two. I'm top two, two and I'm like number that. two. Yeah, a like lot that. of people hate that song. I, but I, lo- I, I, I love was singing it, and um, my boyfriend was like, What are you singing?' And I looked and I turned around and I looked at him. I'm like, Because he's also been listening to Homecoming, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Uh, hello, it's in the middle of Homecoming. She does like a verse and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I like, I don't. I like her verse at least. Like whatever. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't really. I haven't really listened to the full song. No. I only know her verse from Coach. Well, uh, now from that we've the yeah, now homecoming. that we've got homecoming, you don't need to listen mm-hmm. to the real one anymore. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't really need to listen to that because I I just need to listen to her part. And plus, I always love saying because she says if you um if they trying to party with the queen, they gonna have to sign a non disclosure. I love to say if you trying to party with the doc, you gonna have to sign a non disclosure. So. Um, it just, it fits, it works. But anyway, um, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode. We are randomly on another Beyonce tangent and that's (laughs) everybody. So look, so I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. If you're going to be a fan of this show, know that Beyonce is always going to come up in one way, shape or form. You are talking with someone who is one of, right. She's always here and she's going to shape everything we talk about, regardless of if you want to hear it or not. So (laughs) <laughs> sorry, not sorry, yeah. but um, how's how's your week been, girl? Good. Um, I, for better or worse, agreed to do a juice cleanse last oh. week. Do we want to talk about oh. that? Go ahead, tell 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 the listeners about this health situation. I didn't talk. Usually, <laughs> I say things and complain about things on Twitter, but I didn't say anything about it. <laughs> it was only three days, so. I'm I'm (laughs) still alive. I know. Well, (laughs) whatever. It was like, and it was one of those like pre-bought, you know, they gave me all the juices, cold pressed Mm -hmm. juices. I got to eat one if I was feeling very hungry, which obviously I was every day. I got to eat one raw vegetable. (laughs) One. Wow. Just one. So um, it was like six juices a day in a certain order. And then one vegetable for three days. Mm. And it was awful. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, it's like, I didn't die. Like, my body didn't need more. I mean, maybe it needed a little more food, but it didn't need, like, the amounts of food I usually eat. Right, right. Basically, I only did it because, I mean, I am trying to get healthier and exercise and do whatever. But it was like, I don't really, I need, like, a drastic thing to jumpstart me in Mm -hmm. my own thinking that's how I am I'm like all or nothing (laughs) yeah so I had to do that to kind of jump start a better better eating habits portion control all that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. I lost five pounds over three days which I I don't know if that's healthier not to do it like that but pounds or pounds or pounds Uh, I I probably am not the person you should be listening to when it comes to weight loss because I have so many different thoughts and so many different ideals about weight loss and what that looks like. Yeah. But I say pounds are pounds are pounds. And however you got to lose them, lose them. No, but it, so. t- like, it was awful doing it, but it did. I feel like, so I've 
been eating food now for two days <laughs> again, back on food. Um, and I do feel like it like taught me a lot about what kind of portions I need versus when am I just, cause I eat when I'm anxious and bored and whatever, I just go and like mm-hmm. snack. <laughs> and so I don't yeah. know how many calories I was eating in a day, but, um, it was like, I mean, I don't know if I recommend it or not, but for me, it was helpful, I guess. Just okay. just to show me I could, too. I like to kind of yeah. challenge myself, like, that kind of thing. But it was a lot. Only juice for three days. Mm-hmm. But then by the fourth day when you woke up and you can, like, have a breakfast, I was kind of like, well, I don't really... I don't want to eat right, anything. Right. Like, yeah. I don't really yeah. need... But so then it might have, like, fucked up my thinking even more to think that I only... I should eat less than I should. So who knows? You know, it could... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, no, I feel you on that. So I'm I'm nodding as... A, you, uh, you all can't see me, but I'm nodding so hard because I, too, know Rachel Dolezal, um, started back on the, the healthy train. So I had saw my doctor, my uh, nutritionist on... Uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Um, and ultimately, they had had a real hard conversation with me about just you know my eating habits and me gaining weight and all of this stuff. And so we had a real we had a real deep combo. And they were just like, "I'm gonna give you this meal plan, follow it, go to the gym, you know, watch what you're eating. I I know you can lose the weight. I know you can take care of yourself." Um, you know, cause ultimately I, I deal with, and I'm very transparent. I'm okay with being transparent about this. I deal with, you know, my family has a very long history and I hate to, it's, I hate to go down this dark hole mm. of like weight loss and stuff. Cause it's gonna be triggering for folks. Um, but no, my, you know, a lot of my family has had cancer. A lot of my family has high blood pressure, heart disease and all that. And so as I'm getting up in age, I'm starting to have to remind myself, like, girl, your grandfather dealt with this, your mom dealt with this, your aunt dealt with this. So I'm trying to, like, nip it in the butt now. And so they put me on a 1,200-calorie diet situation. And the first two two days were hard. Saturday and Sunday were hard, I will say, very trying. Because ultimately, like, when you you have to start counting your calories – and it's and you're having it's not even because people will say oh counting calories is unhealthy no it's not like honestly you can get down on your calories but you also have to keep in mind too of the sugar and the mm. salt and the sodium and so all, there's all these things that have to go into like how do you eat healthy and stay on a very like low carb diet low carb low cal diet um and so like literally this whole entire week I have been literally like. I, I, I can't have that. What's <laughs> how many calories is like? I'm literally counting calories like it's a checking account. Like I will go like, for instance, like, yeah, uh, Saturday I had to I was out in L.A. and I went to um, I don't know if you have them, but we have we have Baja Freshes out here everywhere. And I went to the Baja Fresh and as I was looking at the menu, the lady was like, would you like a combo? And I was like, no, that combo is 830 calories. I can only have 390, girl. <laughs> so I'm like sitting there like one plus uh, one third plus two and then i'm like how much is saturated fat isn't that so it's just it, it you know i've lost four pounds which i'm really happy about um and i'm coming down and i just bought new running shoes so i'm gonna be i'm really that's actually what i'm really excited about today is getting my running shoes in the mail mm-hmm. um and i i'm doing all that i can but i when i tell you in terms of eating healthy we went grocery shopping last night and it was literally like 
the Wild West in, in, in the store, me and my husband were literally ready to duel out with each other <laughs> because we were just so irritated over. He was like, can I get this? And I'm like, no. And he's like, can we get that? And I'm like, I can't have that. And it's just, it, it becomes this thing of like, you're literally, when they say you're making a life change, you really are. Like you, it's so hard to eat well. And we yeah. probably should do our whole show around <laughs> that, but true. that's another episode. I don't really have good uh, advice though in, in terms ooh, of... Child, neither do I. I was, mm-hmm. I was laying, like... Yeah. Oh, the one, so I did, I did cheat one thing during the juice <laughs> cleanse. It said not to have coffee, but I was like, you can only take so much from me. And coffee doesn't Girl, have, look. coffee doesn't have calorie. Well, maybe a few, but like, I just drink black coffee. So there's no milk mm-hmm. in it. There's no whatever. I'm like, I am yeah. drinking my one coffee a day. And yeah. so I was at the coffee shop talking to my friend who, um, owns it. And he was also doing like a juice thing. So I just, like, had my head down on the counter, bar, whatever. I'm like, yeah. why does everything that tastes good be so it's bad, bad for, for you? you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. And that's the same thing. There are a lot of things that my doctor's already told me that I need to give up. And one of the things he told me to give up was caffeine. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, I love tea because I'm not a coffee You're girl, a but I will drink. I will a tea and refresher girl. Well, tea's I will not too bad for for you and is it mm. what's bad in the tea is it sugars well the or? thing it's just again caffeine oh. so because i'm addicted to it i'm not gonna even lie i'm addicted to caffeine uh the first three days of me not having it and not drink, and that's the other thing too like i'm a soda drinker and even though um i'm not drinking i i normally don't drink regular soda i drink nothing but diet mm-hmm. i know diet is just as bad as regular soda mm-hmm. for you so i will drink but that's the thing like he was like you have to give up soda you have to give up all of these carbonated things because it's all bad for you yeah. regardless of how you drink it um and i'm just like it's but it's just hard it's hard to make any any health changes and i i, I say this very loudly before we go into our topic for today but any Anybody who is on a health kick, anybody who's trying to get to the gym, anybody who is trying to be fit in any type of way is hard. And I salute you. Mm-hmm. I definitely salute you. Um, yeah. So uh, good to know you're you're still here, that you've survived <laughs> your cleanse. And I'm surviving eating all of nothing but grass and leaves. Um, <laughs> it's like, I know you're eating like, I was just eating a cucumber with a fork one day and I was like, that, that, why? Yeah. What is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to BJ's this weekend and the same thing happened. I ordered a meal and it came with like a salad. And my husband was like, you're not, you don't look happy eating what you're eating. And I was like, cause I'm not, I, I was like, he was like, well, you know, that's what most people say. Most people who are skinny will tell <laughs> you that the only reason why they're skinny is because they're hungry. And that's literally it. I'm like, I am hungry all of the time at this point. And it's just like, I don't have a choice, but to like eat well, but whatever. Um, so, but anyway, we're going to get into today's topic. So, um, we're going to, so for the listeners, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie Ma, and then we're going to get into our topic, uh, for the day. What I, what I want to say now is that if you have not seen the movie, this will be a spoiler. Um, so ultimately you might want to stop listening (laughs) and then I will go ahead in the description box, put where this entire like movie situation or uh, the time ends for us when we're talking about this uh, section. But overall, yeah, we will be talking a little bit about the movie, but we also have a broader point that we'll be discussing. So, um, wanting to kind of jump into this week's topic. Um, what were your thoughts on the movie girl? Well, I initially liked it. I mean, I liked it a lot as I watched it. Um, 
I read a few. It was kind of spoiled for me from the beginning because I read a couple reviews or pieces on it before going to the theater to see it. And I thought Octavia Spencer was wonderful, mm-hmm. um, as she always is. But I don't know. I'm I'm as a straight up horror movie. I thought it was there was some jumps, there was some scares. There was a bunch of people screaming in my theater, which it made it fun, you know, when other people, even though you're not scared about something, if everyone screams, it just makes it a fun theater atmosphere. Um, Mm -hmm. But it just got me thinking a lot about what we expect of a movie with a black woman lead, Um, what is possible, like... I started reading about the, he's the director, the producer, writer, I don't know, maybe all of those things, and like best friends with Octavia Spencer, they did The Help together, they've done some other movies. Mm -hmm. Um, This, I think, was like their fifth one together. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's like a white gay guy, she's, (laughs) right, so, and their friendship goes way back. Um, He says it's not, the movie's not about race. Uh, It was originally written for a white it, they said in the in the or his quote is that it was originally written for a white woman, but I like to always point out that things aren't usually written for a white woman. It just means it wasn't specified in terms of any race, right? right. Parts don't get written for white women necessarily. They just get written as universal, and then white women get to play them. But if it's a black woman's role, it has to be written specifically for her. Um, so I thought it was cool on the surface, just of a black woman starring in a horror film. She was the f- She's the first, like, well, Lupita is the, what was the deal with Lupita? She was the first black woman to lead a horror film or like a main, mainstream horror film. There's never been a, yeah, Lupita would be in, in terms of any black horror film because I mean, because I mean, you could debate it and say that Jada was, uh, Jada led, uh, back in like the early nineties that she could, that she might've been the main lead for the, uh, tales from the crypt movie that they did, um, back in like the early nineties. But I'm, I'm thinking like a major, cause I don't even know if that got a major release. So, I'm thinking in terms of like a major release film, and again, please don't quote us. I think that Lupita is the first to ever lead a major a major black horror right. film, and it's still this was the oh this uh, this it was the first in terms of Octavia Spencer um, mm-hmm. lead role in a movie. She's always been like the supporting actress, right? Um, so she steps out and does a really fantastic job, I think, with what the material is that she's given, um, as she usually mm-hmm. does, uh, but. And so for me, it was like cool to see that. And then it like brought up a lot of questions because some of the reviews I saw, some of the think pieces are about like it fails to deliver on this promise of uh, a reinterpretation of the mammy stereotype or right. a reinterpret. Right. And I don't I don't know if that was promised so much in the in what we got from the film. I get that there's elements of that, but I don't know if the script promises that. But I, I, mm-hmm. I hear that that was alluded to, especially since they'd done the help before, and now here comes mm-hmm. Octavia in this other role. Um, but it just started raising a lot of questions about race and what is possible today. Not for, for right. better, I'm not saying positive or negative in terms of any of this, but like I asked before we started recording to you, um, is it possible to have a black woman star in a movie 
that's not about race and really have it not be about race because by very nature of being, say, released in America with our racial history, a black woman lead interacting with white people is like we haven't transcended race. So can a movie not be about race when she's like a group of white kids? Oh, so this is kind of the spoiler. Um, right. Some of her motivation is that she was teased in high school and kind of humiliated in this really uh, in a in a sexual way. Um mm-hmm by a group of white popular kids and she's kind of the nerdy black quiet black girl um is it possible (laughs) that in that setup we can say oh it's not about race it's just about her being teased like we're not past all of that but is there an in-between can we say oh her motivation was was her humiliation more gender based or race based can it be teased out or does it have to be um together all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's Kimberly Crenshaw and intersectionality for you, but right. <laughs> can, and if this role was originally imagined, or they imagined a white woman playing it, how would that movie have turned out? Would anyone even be interested in that movie? Would it just be mm-hmm. another, like, I don't know, what's a movie, like Carrie, where she gets uh, mm-hmm. uh, teased te- and then she goes, yeah. Yeah, and in that way, the ending is more satisfying in Carrie than the ending was in this movie, but we can leave that for a minute. <laughs> what did you think? You yeah, had similar. Yeah, I did. So I will tell you up front. I, so when I first saw the promo for this, actually it was my husband who brought the promo to my attention. I was like, I have to see yeah. this. Um, one, because Octavia Spencer given um i think she's a fantastic um actress i think she you know the way she the way she some of the, even just the promos that i saw the way that she articulated and moved and like the whole don't make me drink alone <laughs> like that's creepy in itself like so i was like this is really creepy and she's you know she's got this down yeah. um so i was really excited to see it i think for me I think you bring up a really good point. Like, can we separate this idea that a black woman growing up, and that's what I wish that they would have given more space to or would have developed. Like, I understand if they said, okay, well, this was a role that was initially supposed to be for a white woman, and then we gave it to Octavia, and we kind of just left the script alone. I felt like that's where they the, the movie kind of lost me because I felt like there was still... I think I think there's a lot of room, and again, I'm not a I, I I'm not a screenplay writer, so I can't always say I know what I'm talking about. But I think that there would have been a lot of room. One to know that this film was filmed in Mississippi, um, to know that it it there was room to even experience like what does the South look like in terms of being scary for Black people and but set. It wasn't set in Mississippi though, right? Didn't they say they were in? I know it was filmed in Mississippi, but okay. they claimed it I, was like they said they were in Ohio or something, which is oh, see, I didn't catch a little that. bit I different, was, but still, that's a like a point a lot of people. Well, have brought it's still up. a yeah. very white town. Yeah. That that was literally what I was. I think that's what my point was. My point was, you know, what it's like for a black person to grow up in a white town and how that can make someone go a little. Yeah nuts right and so she sees these kids who remind her of her own lived experience and she gravitates towards them and ultimately starts to find and finds out that these kids are still connected to her lived experience one way or another you know fantastic storyline but i just felt like again i wish that there was more like i was telling you when we before we started recording i just wish that there was more development in her character Mm -hmm. for us to understand like outside of the outside of the being teased by her peers 
what else could have made her go nuts, right? Like, what else could have made her kind of, you know, flip the switch and say, these kids need to die? Um, I think it, it's just, it, <laughs> right? It, I mean, it was a fun story for what it was worth, but I also feel like when we're, when we're giving roles to Black artists or when we're navigating Black storylines, they have to be more developed than the ways that we throw in just other mm. actresses and actors into films because, again, like, these stories for us as we're watching them, they have to make sense. And so I was just kind of sitting there being like, some of this doesn't make sense, but whatever. I think for me, what really kind of did me in was I just wish, and I'll say this up front, I don't know what my, I, I have nothing to offer as to, like, how I would have rewritten the end. I, I don't. I don't know how I would have written the end for it to make me feel better, but I just hated the ending, period. Like, there was, there's nothing about the ending that set well with me. There was nothing about me, that nothing that made me go, wow, this movie. Like, for instance, like, with Get, Get Out, I loved the way Get Out ended. Mm-hmm. Get Out gave us this mad rush, mad dash. You thought everything was good, and it was still nuts all the way through the end. Um, and then, you know, we have the rescue situation, which I thought was fantastic, right? I... I don't, I wish that there would have been, maybe if it would have been like a, so for instance, we're in the movie, we're, intru- we're introduced to her having a daughter. And if it would have been some sort of like all out fight between her and her daughter, and then, you know, the daughter ends up killing her and there it, it spins back. And now the daughter is the, the crazy one mm. that eventually goes after them. Like that probably would have made me go, wow, that's a really fantastic way to end the film right like now we have this even though the mom has died the daughter is just as nuts as the mom and now we have to worry about the daughter like i would have loved to see something like that but i just felt like the way it ended really just it it didn't do it for me so yeah i um, I would have liked it more as like a race race revenge (laughs) mm -hmm. which it could have been with some tweaks yeah and Mm -hmm. like you i don't really the daughter storyline felt a bit weird to me and unnecessary unless they had done something like you just mentioned with it mm-hmm. um but then it became you know i was i'd be interested in like analyzing it from the perspective of up until the very end you could talk about how she's maybe in terms of like race revenge stuff too she, like the white woman the the main girl's mother uh, Ju- played by Juliette Lewis is mm-hmm. one of the kids from high school um, who had kind of been in on this whole thing. And so if it had all been meant to pay her back and show her, like, there's this moment where she finally realizes, I should have helped you. I should have done something. And I was like, that moment could be really cool through the lens of, like, you're you're forcing white feminists to see how they've failed to help black women or other people. Right. And then, but then right. there had to be a con. There was no consequence. She just got off the the uh, the hook, and it ends with Octavia Spencer kind of being fine with this dead whatever. We won't tell you the exact ending, but right, 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 right. She right. kind of sides with like, oh, I'd rather die with white people, like with whiteness, and be included, uh, accepted by white people. Then, then deal with whatever fucked up world we have. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, it was, I mean, I liked it right off the bat just as an entertaining movie. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, but there could have been that. Oh, if there could have been that. And me liking it really 
speaks to the uh, power of Octavia Spencer's acting, not really any. Oh, there were some good campy moments, too. Um, yeah. Her wi- I loved her wigs. I'm sorry, but they were off. Oh, the wigs were the wigs were the stars Yeah, all the wigs in the movie were fantastic. I was like, "Come on, wigs!" <laughs> and even like we we got into what like Act Three of the movie, and she had that little curl the going on like, at the end. I was like, "Yes!" And her da- so oh, had, her little dances that she was like yes. working it with the. I mean, <laughs> it was just. They could. They needed to like shift in either a couple. They could have shifted just a bit in either direction, like up the camp a little bit and just uh-huh. go with that, or up the race storyline a little bit and go with like a little more commentary. But overall, like most people watching, like white people watching, might just see it as another because they're not. We are not um, reading all the stuff. That's why these questions about. Can that I'm thinking um, that more white people should think about, I think, is like, can a movie star a black? Because that would be that's representation in and of itself. Like, we say, right. oh, we want black women in lead roles that aren't just stereotypes, that aren't the maid, that aren't the slave, that aren't, uh-huh. you know, the um, mammy, these things. But then there's a movie like this that doesn't really dive into race and we're like, oh, but we needed more because it doesn't make sense. I'm like, how do you bridge those two? How do you have the non-stereotypical role for a black woman in a lead, but also Mm -hmm. it has to make sense. And in this world, those stereotypes still exist and we're not over Mm -hmm. these things. So you have to at least tie it into the history that we have. Or can you can you set it outside? Or I guess you just set it outside in a different society where things are different, but it can't really be set in reality, and not yeah. deal with. Because at first I read these articles saying like, oh, but like, how do we have it? We want it both ways. We want it to deal with social commentary about race, but we don't want stereotypes. But we don't want X Y Z. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, but how do you do that? You can't have. I don't know. It made me think of Proud Mary again with Taraji P. Henson, which was just her. Oh, <laughs> you hate when I bring that up, but I love that movie. But it was like, again, that was a movie that didn't really have any social commentary, but right. it was a black woman in a lead. And I don't I, like, right. It's not that successful. It's not that great a movie, but is it possible to have that have mm-hmm. both? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if it is. I, so you bring up a, you bring up a, a a lot of really good points I think and that's something else that I I've been saying too like you can you can always tell and this is something that I've gotten very very aware of is that you can always tell when there when there are not enough black people in the writers room right. um whether it be a whether it be a script or you know you can always tell the people you know because you always have execs and you have VPs and you have all these people who look at the script and people who direct and all that you can just you can just always tell when there are not enough black people in the full process. And I think that's the reason why Us was so well received by black people. I think that's the reason why um, when we're talking about black horror, and I I know that that's not really, our whole conversation is not really going to be about that. But I think the conversation really becomes this idea of like, when our our lived experiences show up in a very accurate representation, and I think that's where I struggled a little bit with this film, was mm. that, you know, I, I could understand Ma's experience a little bit because I grew up in an area that was very highly white. I, I grew up 
going to a, a high school where the population of black people were very far few and in between. And I lived so 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 just a, a little bit about my history, where I grew up and where I went to high school, we were on the cusp of a town that was extremely, extremely white. And so what ended up happening was when their school, I'm not going to say where I, where I grew up just for, you know, to stay anonymous in a way, but where I grew up, the city that was right next to me would send students to my school mm. when their high school got too full because they were in the process of building another high school at the time. And so I ended up living in a city where I, I knew black people and I saw black people around me, but every day I went to school with a lot of white people mm. and it became very hard for me to figure out my own identity in the, in the process of this. And so, you know, I can understand in a lot of ways as I'm looking at Ma, I, 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 I don't think we can have films like Ma without accurate representation of what it feels like and what it's like to see the world from the lens of being black. Mm. Like you have to talk like, you know, you, you can't talk about one without the other in this world because the two are and a lot of white people say, well being black and being a woman is not synonymous. And I'm like, the fuck it ain't. Like yes it is. Like me being black and queer is synonymous because you know, I have to look at my life through the lens of being black. I have to look at my life through the lens of being queer. And then I have to look at my life through the, the lens of being black and queer. And there's no other way around it. Like, there's, I just have to. And so that's what I think, for me, where I struggled with the film and where I felt like the film lost it. I felt like, you know... I know we, we they may have not wanted the film to be about race. And maybe the director said, I didn't write this film for it to be about race. But when you cast a black woman as your lead for a film... It has to be mm. like it. There has. There's no other way for you to 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 tell a story without it accurately depicting what it's like to be a black woman. And so I even think like you know there there was a lot like for instance so the scene between her and her boss like yes I kept going girl get to work like I kept going why are you you own the phone you want you own Facebook you own Twitter you own everything else but doing your job you got pets to watch but then I turned around and I was like I also understood what it felt like for her being a black woman who was micromanaged mm. by a white boss like i felt that and i was like there is a lot that could be said here yeah. but you know in terms of that relationship that they never fully went into but i just i keep i kept looking at the film and i kept going something's missing mm. like I, I think that's for me like what it was it was a good film for what it was worth and it really got into some really good points but i just kept going something's missing and i don't know what it is but yeah as you're saying mm. that it made me think about what if we had just a little bit more like, we saw a couple flashbacks in these moments where she would, mm -hmm. like, Octavia Spencer's eyes would get a little teary and vulnerable, and we'd flash back to a thing that had happened in, in high school. But we yeah. never saw anything of her at home. And now mm -hmm. I'm very interested in, like, who were her parents? How was she raised? What if, what if she was, like had been adopted by a white family. What if her parents were white? Like did what did uh -huh. that go into her like yes, her obsession with being included was just about being like liked and part yeah. of a group, but it was also a bunch of white kids. So where's the desire to be included by white kids there? Were there any other black people around? Like all of these little questions that mm -hmm. could have, you know, an extra 10 minutes of flashbacks or different moments to show you know, did she get yelled at by her parents because she didn't have friends or was she encouraged to... All of these things 
could have could have yeah. like rounded out that bit. I mean, again, the ending needed to be a little bit different if it was more if full. it was gonna take this on. But yeah, I guess it did. Just not like had a really good premise, good acting, and like great moments, but it didn't really deliver on that whole end piece. Which doesn't mean it doesn't yeah. it can't be an entertaining movie too, but it doesn't really say anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So beyond the the ending being not what we wanted and um and and beyond all the other pieces, like what 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 were the takeaways for you that were most um vital because I and, and and we bring this up so listeners I'll, I'll give you some context as to why we're talking about this film um me and me and kevin had had conversations back and forth via text about you know it is pride month that we're all excited to be celebrating it and yeah fantastic right and you're like where in the hell does pride month and ma connect <laughs> um you're probably trying to think that in your own head like what where is dr higgins going with this but i think for me, what I what made me bring this movie up and what made me really think about it was, is, you know, going into months like this and, and thinking about even just the storyline of Ma, there became this large conversation of acceptance that, you know, I felt like was was just kind of swarming around me of like, you know, I, I as I watched the film, I guess what made me connect so much with Ma, even though I knew Ma was a little, you know, a little out there, I'll say to say the <laughs> least, you know, I'm, I'm never going to go run nobody over with the car. That's just not that me. That's not what I do. in the movie though by the way oh I, it was oh yes and then the earth wind and fire <laughs> starts playing perfect yeah, perfect yeah 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 so i yeah i'm never gonna run anybody over with the truck however um i know what it's like to feel like her i know what it's like to feel like the person specifically being a queer person being somebody who is black and queer um constantly feeling like you're on the outside looking in and that happened a lot for me even in high school like i said giving you some you giving you some background as to what high school i went to and so um i thought about that a lot and so that's ultimately how this conversation around this movie came up was thinking about acceptance um and thinking about the the uh, initial emotions that people go through when they're thinking about who they are, what identities are salient to them, you know, what it's like to feel like, what what does it feel like when you don't have community or you don't feel like, and I think that that's what I got from mm. Ma, right? The reason why she felt so alone and the reason why she was so angry at these people was, I think, a big part of this idea of you living in a rural town and everybody being everybody who goes to your school, right? The only friends you can have are the people that you associate with at your school, and they don't see you, yeah. right? And if they do see you, it's only at, you know, it's at the expense of laughter or or, or or being funny. So I think about that a lot, right? Like, what does it feel like to be included? What does it feel like to be excluded? Um, and ultimately, like, how do we have conversations around um, this idea of being in... This idea of being the other. So that's kind of where this conversation all came from. Yeah, and in that way, I guess the ending does work a little bit because mm -hmm. it shows that this all-consuming desire to be included in the system as it is will kill you. Like, mm -hmm. you know, she kind of, I guess, at the end, she resolves herself to that fact. Um, oh, actually, maybe you could spin this and like do a powerful analysis of the ending that she resigns to the fact that there never will be a place for her in the system as it is or because whiteness is the norm. Good. And so she resigns herself to like 
it, it kills her in the end. Uh, mm. Whatever. I'm not trying to like spin it to be uh, more more no. than it is, but you know, this desire. Not to say it's bad because everyone wants to be included. Like I know I have the same experience growing up in a. I mean, my town was very much very white, but growing up queer, gay, different. Um, and it was very religious, and so that adds a whole uh, other element to it and being different than that, wanting people to see you for who you are, wanting other people to accept you. Um, but really, I guess it's about accepting yourself, but how do you accept yourself when the system around you doesn't make space for it? I don't know. It becomes this, right? right? Because it's, we all want to be included, but what does being included do? Like, if you're included, does that mean the system is changing or does that mean you're you're giving something up to be included in the system? Mm, mm. Maybe I'm getting way too deep here. (laughs) No, 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 no. So, you know, ultimately having this real conversation around possibly the reason why they intentionally left her blackness out was because she had given up some of that just to be mm. a part of this group of people and that the ending could have been... Con- and that's what... Me, my husband kept asking me that throughout the film. He kept nudging me. He kept going, do you think that there's some commentary here? And I was like, I... I, I, I <laughs> so it's hard for me because it's like... I hate going into every single movie with this idea that has there has to be. to be some sort of social commentary, right? Can it just be a black horror, you know, a, a, a horror film with a black lead and it just be that? Yes. But I'm also thinking, like, if as someone who is a critical, you know, a scholar and someone who thinks critically of everything in terms of media and the way I consume it, there is an element of me that does go, you know what? You actually might be onto something because if you think about it, right, these moments that people kept laughing at her and treating her a certain type of way um and her feeling like she had to give up her own sanity and her own peace at the expense of these white people and to get back at these white people who who hurt her um and then at the end dying because of it right dying at the expense of 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 this like what does it say about some black people and the, the links that they will go to to be accepted. And I mean, as somebody who's currently writing a manuscript about that right now, right? Like this idea that there are so many black people who are like, I'm I'm queer first and then my blackness is something I talk about later, you know, later down the line. I think that there is something to say about that in relation to films like this and, uh, and a few other films, you know, to be quite frank, that there are a lot of black people who go will go to the ends of the earth for the acceptance of of white people even to an extent of like dying for for them and and it and it being one of those conversations of like that's the validation like the being validated by a white person is all that they live for um mm. and I, and i guess i guess that that yeah that I, th- I think there's a lot to say around that well that ties that. to issues around pride too as we're talking about mm-hmm. you know corporations at pride and and what police at Pride and all of these things that we've mm-hmm. talked about before, but like, is it? What's the point there? Like, are we are we trying to be? Are we just celebrating? Are we trying to be validated? Do we do we love it because I don't I'm I don't want to throw out specific companies. I don't know who's doing what, but you know because they made a rainbow Budweiser beer. Like, does that make us feel good about? Right 
who we are? Does that like validate our identity? Does that say we have a place in the world because we can drink a beer that has a rainbow on it or open a checking account that Mm -hmm. has a rainbow? Like what do those things do ultimately? And what would it actually mean to be, what's the alternative? What would it actually look like to be included? Are we giving things up Mm -hmm. about ourselves? Are we conceding things to participate in this new version of pride that we shouldn't i don't know these are like half-formed thoughts right now yeah and, and it's okay to have them i think you know so like i said not everything has to be a fully developed idea but i think that all of this brings in to play, you know, from the movie to where we are, you know, now it being the 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 and, and now being the third day of Pride Month, I think that there is a lot for us to be mindful of, and I guess that's what I really wanted to kind of pull into this conversation, right? I feel like as much as they are two different scenarios, they all kind of tie into this idea of us all wanting to feel wanted and us all wanting to feel included. And I'll be very transparent. I think as somebody who and I think that's the reason why I can I can say this in such a clear manner. As somebody who is constantly in the eyes of media, right? Like, we, we both do a lot of stuff in media. Like, you have a book coming out. And I'm not trying to put you on blast, girl. But a lot of our conversations as friends has been you being nervous <laughs> about this book, right? And you wanting this book to be well-received. And I think that if we were, if I was to sit down with you, I'm not a therapist by <laughs> any means, But if I was to sit down with you with a notepad and I was to take a couple of notes and you were to tell me about your childhood or what your life looked like, we would all come back to this part about in your life somewhere someone said or did something to you that made you feel like the other. Mm. And so now you live your whole entire life around. And I'm not saying this is true, but I'm just saying we I feel like we all do. So I'm going to make this very general statement. Something somewhere in your life or your lived experience made you feel like the other and you now live for the validation or for the moments when you feel included. And Mm. I'll be like I said, I'll be very transparent. I had a moment this weekend where a few of my friends were invited to an event and they were really excited about going and I'm sitting around kind of being like, damn, like I'm still not good enough to be invited to this event. Right. And. I have, and again, not even like, oh, friends on social media, because my husband always will say, are they your real friends or are they friends on social media? And I'm like, no, real friends. I have real friends telling me that they cannot go to dinner with me because they're going to this event. And I know they're going to this event. And I have to pretend and keep my cool because I now feel like I'm on the outside and I'm not able, I was not invited to go. Um, Because someone somewhere, either one doesn't know me or two doesn't see my work to be of as important as said people who were invited. And so... I, it's a spiral, yeah. right? We we spiral back into these ideas of feeling like no one's ever going to care about us. No one's ever going to care about our work. No one's ever going to see our work or see us as people as being valid. And I tell people, like, you're close to 10,000 followers. I have 10,000, over 10,000, 11, 12,000 followers. And even with all of that, right, with both of our blue checks and all we've written and all that we have coming out, there's still this onus and this this feeling of of lingering. Nobody is going to care. But it's like, when do we stop looking at it from that that vantage point of like, who are we doing this work for? Who are we living for? I guess that's really what I guess I, 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 I guess I'm trying to get at on both the courts, right, from a, a pride standpoint, but also from the movie standpoint, who are we who are we truly living for and why you know so yeah 
I don't know if that was no, a, a round. Like, I don't know if I went around in circles. No, but. it's just like a heavy question. I don't know the answer. <laughs> Who are we living yeah. for and why? Mm-hmm. I mean, the first immediate thing I think of is like, I'm doing the things that I, making the moves I want to make, saying the things I want to say, but am I really? Because ever since everything went down with me and Rutgers, I've Mm -hmm. monitored myself in a different way. And so I haven't said the things I really want to say all the time. Yeah. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And then people are like, well, that's just what you have to do, you know, social, this is the age of social media, you can't say what you want to say, you know, it's going to hurt, certain things could hurt you getting a freelance, like a freelance gig or a, or a partnership with XYZ uh, Mm -hmm. business, corporation, whoever, um, if you criticize one thing and, you know, then they come and check your tweets. You're never going to get a job. You're never going to get this. Right. Right? And I guess that is a reality, but like we're so, we're so monitored and we're so like, it's impossible to just be authentic. I I said that, I think I was saying this last episode, but I said it on Twitter Mm -hmm. one day, like you just can't, I I don't believe anyone's authentic on social media now. Cause even when they are, it reads as, you're doing you're doing it for a purpose. You're reaching out, you know, even when you're you're calling out some company or something, you're doing it for the next step of being seen by a different company or group of people as the one who's you know, who's going going to speak truth to power, but only so far. Because mm-hmm. once you cross that line, you're fired and you're doxxed and you're threatened mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know if it's because I'm also like, it's controlled by, we have to pay our bills. And so we want to say, we say we're being authentic and saying the thing, being who we want to be, but we have to be a little bit different or a little bit more closed off just to make sure we get the money to pay our bills. Right. Like I, talk about being nervous about the book and a lot of that comes from the fact that I want people to buy it and I want to have like I don't want to I'm not trying to be some capitalist entrepreneur whatever but I do have a book that's coming out that costs money I wish everything was free and I could do whatever I want right but, right right right, um, right right it's coming out it costs money I want people to buy it it's not gonna give me you know no matter how many people buy it it's not people don't realize you don't make like the the amount that the book costs you make a very small percentage depending on your contract right it's like musicians Mm -hmm. making like two cents off an album that sells or whatever um but at the same time that comes back to me and i have to i want to be able to pay my bills at the bare minimum i would it's still work and not worry about yeah yeah it's still work and so like can you even be the person you want to be until that level is taken off of you. Like, mm-hmm. people criticize, okay, so we talked about how we always come back to Beyonce, boom. People criticize Beyonce <laughs> for doing whatever she wants to do, but now she's at this level where she can do what she wants, give money to whatever cause she wants to give, not worry about making it, not worrying even about, I mean, I'm sure she does just as a person worry that will they like it, will whatever happen. But she doesn't have to worry about selling because she's, like, set for life. Um, right. 
and it's a hyperbolic example, but nobody can really just go out there guns blazing all the time and be like, this is who I am and, and still expect to pay their bills. Like it's just fucked up capitalism again, back to, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And I mean, everything always comes back to capitalism and we've said that several episodes, but I think a bigger part of it also comes back to this idea of, you know, always wanting and needing to feel like you have to be liked um, and that people have to always be, you know, in like on your team. And I think that, you know, so a friend of mine had posted a, 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 a Twitter status the other day that I, I found to be very interesting. You know, she had basically alluded and I, I'm not going to name her so that she doesn't feel, you know, attacked, but I do will, I will say that her tweet said a lot to me about the kind of world we live in. She had said, you know, she walked up to someone at a table at wherever she was. And someone from the table, when she walked away said, um, I don't know what it is about her, but I don't like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I tweeted back to her and I, I basically said in a very nice way, like what other people think about you is none of uh, none of your business. And it really that is really like something. I mean, I, I don't quote RuPaul a lot, but that is something that RuPaul has said that I has I have come to really accept and very much use in my life. Like I cannot wake up every single day waiting for someone to like me. I am not going to ruin my life. And that's kind of what I, I felt like that was, you know, ultimately what happened to Ma's character. She ruined her whole entire life, this life that she had built. She had a home. She had a daughter. She she let all of these things about this, this wanting to be liked so much by someone, specifically white people. And I'll say that very upfrontly. Like, I have gotten away from this place of going, I have to live and move about every room waiting for someone to like me or like what I have to say or having to ingest what I say as it being truth or whatever. And I, I, I just, I guess, you know, as I get older, I'm learning and I'm watching more people, you know, who I know and love get older, say, I don't care at all about what other people think. And I, now I guess, you know, now at 34, I understand what that means. Like I understand Mm. what it means. It's not saying that you're going to be a total asshole to people. That's not ultimately what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is I think we, we have to start thinking about like, in order for us to live our lives and in order for us to, to be free from all of the shit that comes with quote unquote approval, we have to stop caring so much. Like we have to stop moving about this world waiting for somebody to give us like validation like we have to get away from that and i think that that's what i i took away from that movie per se like even though at the end of the movie she she, what happens is what happens and it's based off of this idea of like oh finally i get validated I'm not about to kill myself for no white person. Like, I know Shay, like, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't always have to be about race. I get it. But I, hell, white person, black person, Latinx person, whatever. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to live my life waiting for somebody to give me approval mm. and having to approve every single thing that I do. Do If you like it, rock with it. If you don't, then it's not for you. It, and that's okay. Um, but that's, I guess that's my big message this, you know, this year for Pride, too. Like, we can't we can't keep operating from this idea that everything we do has to be a- approved by our family, our friends, our work, our coworkers, whatever. These people, especially if they not handing you a check, screw them. That's it. Yeah, uh, that's that's, that's the, it. 
thing I like, I used to like when I was younger, like you're saying, you're realizing that as you get older and I kind of feel like I'm doing the op, well, I'm realizing it too, but I feel like I've been the opposite or in practice done the opposite. Cause as I was younger mm-hmm. and like I came out when I was 17, 18, started going to pride days and it was like this place to celebrate that I didn't care what anyone else thought. And now I feel like pride has become more performative and yes. And going to it is more about validation, different kinds of validation. Like I used to feel, and I'm not saying it all, every single thing is like this, but when it's all like corporate sponsored, when it's all a parade of, you know, that's, it's a parade that is cordoned off by the cops and you're told where you can go and where you can't go. And it's all just still, it's become Mm -hmm. this huge performance of validation versus a kind of fuck you. I don't care what you think um, vibe, which is what felt Mm -hmm. so empowering to me when I came out and as a young person, and it's still what is empowering to me. But as I get older, I feel like I've lost and maybe it's just by virtue of what society, how society has changed and the different, you know, growth of social media that I've lost that kind of spark mm. in me or and other things that have happened to me. Um, and I oh, need yeah. to like re hear that message again that you're saying. Um, I mean, I think mm-hmm. everyone needs to regularly hear that message probably. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say like I I'll say this and then we can and we can move on from this segment. But I think I, I, I don't say go out there and say anything and everything to right. everyone because I do recognize that we do live in a in a world where people do have to pay their bills. Social media can have you caught up, um having the, the wrong excuse me, the wrong attitude at the, the at the wrong time could potentially lead you to losing your job. All these other things, right? Black people having to worry about, you know, have catching an attitude with the wrong cop at the, you know, on the wrong day could lead you to jail, which could lead you to death. Like, these are all things that I, I think we all should be aware of, right? We have to be aware of our surroundings. But I think about these ideas when we get back to me asking the question, who are you living for and for why? So, you know, I love to tell stories. You know, I was at dinner with some friends this week and I think it really hit me and I'm I'm really doing my best to not get emotional about this. And how in the hell we got to this place where I'm like hella emotional talking about this. I don't know why. But I had um, I had said as I was sitting at the table that um, it there comes a time in your life where you have to acknowledge and understand like you're doing you're working and you're working so hard and you feel like the world's not paying attention to it, or you feel like you may not have the job you want, or you feel like you're, and then you just have to ask yourself, who am I doing it Mm. for? Right? Like who, and like, why am I doing this? And if, if I'm going to constantly be so hard on myself when the world is already on hard on me, like why, like, why am I, why am I so hard on myself about life when the world is already hard enough on, you know, on me? And so that's kind of where my mind operates now, where it's like, I'm not waking up and beating myself up every single day over anything. I just wake up every morning now going, I'm doing the best that I can with the little that I've been given. Right. Like I've literally not been given anything to make this life what it is. And I'm doing so much with it. And so if all you do today is write an article, good. Mm-hmm. If all you do today is get up and go to work and, and, and deal with terrible people for, for eight hours, 
you did the best that you could. Like, stop beating yourself up for needing to be more for other people. When half of these people, and I'll be very transparent, half of these people don't even see you. That's the real thing. Like, they may know you or they may come in contact with you, but half of the time they don't even really see you. And I think that that's where I'm at now, where I'm like, you know what? I'm doing the best that I can. And that's it. That's that's got to be enough. And if it's not enough for you, then shit, pay me more and mm-hmm. I'll do more. But literally, that's kind of where I'm at at this point in my life now where, you know, so again, kind of my full thoughts around my, you know, just, you know, it's sad. It's, it's, it's a it's a it's a very cool horror story. And I love that we're finally seeing black people centered in horror films. Yes. But I also think that the larger context of that conversation is, is like, you know, who are you living for and why and how much energy are you giving to other people yeah. you know look what we did with yeah. that movie Woo! we took we Random, took that right? yeah no that's good i love this conversation that was you know where where are you gonna hear people talking about ma but then we get into that deep <laughs> yeah yeah, super, super random and deep conversation. So, um, and I'm sorry, I had to, I felt like, I felt oh, like, I don't know, I felt like reverent, like a reverend. I'm like, I'm sorry if it came off no. preachy, but I think sometimes I think our listeners need to hear that. <laughs> I think people need to hear and be reminded of like, y'all, y'all, you're doing the best that you can and that's enough. And that's, and it's okay. It is okay for you to say, I'm doing the best that I can and that's enough. Um, so yeah. So with that being said, um, any random songs or any random oh. things that have come up for you this week? Mm. No, I can't think of one now. I, there, there okay. had been one and now it just like slipped my mind. Um, maybe it'll pop up again or if not, I'll tweet about it. At yeah. Some point. No, my, my my brother had sent me a picture of his, um, of my well, my nephew obviously, but my nephew slash um his son dancing to a song, and um it was rhythm is a dancer, oh, yeah. and I had not heard that song in so long. <laughs> yes, so and I was like, oh my god, I love that. Yes, and so who's that? It's such song? a cute video. Uh, no, I think it's Snap. Oh, is that the Snap. name of the? Okay. Mm-hmm. The name the name of the group is Snap, and I think it's yeah, I think that's who it is. Hold on. Um, we are, yeah, so I was right. Oh, look at me knowing my history, but snap. And I think it came out in the, like the early, early nineties. So, So, or maybe mm -hmm. even late eighties. Yeah, it was 1992 Uh. that the song came out. Ooh, we, they did that video on a budget, honey. Um, but yeah, overall, so that song, yeah. So that was one of the songs (laughs) I was thinking about, um, for folks to add to their playlist. But yeah, other than that, that's all I have. Okay. I know, right? You can feel it We're both, like, bopping in our seats, even though you can't see us. So random. (laughs) So random. Um, All right. So, girl, you got got anything for the playground this week? Um, (laughs) Did I talk about the woman who, like, was so mad at me because I told her kid to be quiet in one of ours? No. Did I? Okay. No. Okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> Look, I respect your right to have kids. Anyone's right to have kids. I personally am not a, ch- a kid person. I don't enjoy them. Okay. Um, I'm not going to. I don't plan to have them. I understand that when you go places in public, I cannot control what I will come into contact with, who I will come mm-hmm. into contact with. Um. But, so I was at, like, I do a lot of my work at, just at a coffee shop because I get sick of sitting in my apartment. Um, 
And so I was there. I can't remember. Maybe I'm grading. Maybe I'm trying to do some writing. Um, I'm working on my computer. And there is a a woman with a friend. They both have kids, but one of the woman one of the woman's children is like running back and forth and just intermittently screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, it's not a big place, so he's like running a loop around the whole place and just screaming. Um, every now and again, she'll come over and like hold, take his hand and take him back to the table. So then he, he doesn't stop though. He, and it goes on for like 10, 15 minutes. And then he starts just, he runs up to the table and is like staring me in my face and screaming. And I, (laughs) like, I'm obviously making like looks the whole time. Not just me, everyone in the place. No one is excited about this. And she looks like totally put out because people are like judging her kid or whatever and so he runs up to me and just screams and I go shh I just like put my finger up to my mouth and I'm like shh shh Mm -hmm. and I do a very like I don't know I guess a disciplinarian look in my face and she looks at me like she will kill me and comes over grabs her son and she's like you'll be pleased to know we're leaving soon and I look at her and I, <laughs> I was like, all I would have done. Was I was clapped. like, yeah, I will be pleased to know. He needs to be quiet. Like, you're getting mad at me, and I, I could have been much ruder. Like in my mind, I'm screaming back at the kid. Like, how do you like it? Do you like this noise? Or like running up to her and screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, I get mm-hmm. it that kids do stuff like that and I'll give you a little leeway but you've got to if if I had ever done that when I was a kid my mom would have taken me the first time I screamed she would have been mortified first of all she would have grabbed my hand taken me outside we would not be back in the restaurant like that would be it but these people Mm -hmm. that like just want their kids to kind of learn by virtue of (laughs) I don't know and she I'm Sure, part of it was she was engaged in a conversation that she wanted to have, but like, you need to, you need to, there's other people around. I guess a lot of our peeves right. go back to this. There are other people around, and you need to be conscious of how your kid or you, if you're being rude yourself, like, or if you're, you know, I've been in the same coffee shop where grown adults are having loud FaceTime conversations. Like, you need to be quiet. Or or step outside, <laughs> or maybe yeah. put the other person yeah. on your headphones. Like I don't need to hear this entire conversation at full blast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just be mindful of <laughs> your space and who else is around you. And I don't know. Yeah. Now I'm gonna get in trouble by all the moms. But it's like <laughs> you probably will, I, and that's uh, okay. Whatever. I just I I feel like. Maybe that's me as being an old man again, but I feel like, you, you know, there's a certain level of discipline and be quiet your kids need to <laughs> have to be you out know, in I public. Mean, I, think, I think, right, I think that there's, I think that has a, yes, and so your comment goes along the lines of, and that actually, I, you know what, I, I, I know what my peeve is, and I'm not going to go into mine just yet, but I think... I just adding some commentary to yours. I don't think it is because I get I hear people say this a lot. Oh, if you're going to be in a public space, you have to deal with, you know, people just, you know, you have to deal with people talking loud on their phone or you have to deal with children running around. And I'm like, that's bull because I'm going like, I want people have some cool. Like literally, like 
literally for me it takes nothing to be mindful of other right. people in spaces like to just be kind just to be able to be like oh you know what like for instance even for me right i sometimes will when i'm walking i'll be walking throughout my house with my podcast on my phone and as i'm walking out the door and i'm walking down to my car i'll usually stop the podcast because i'm thinking i'm gonna get in the elevator mm-hmm. i have to walk through a long hallway of people's apartments and i don't want them having to hear you know my my loud ass phone especially if they're they might be sleeping or they may be sleeping with the window open or whatever then i have to get into my car so i i pause it i go down the elevator i get into my car and then i press play and then boom it's now loud and and surround sound in my car like it's just it it takes literally two seconds to be kind and to be mindful of other people's space and i know that there's some level of you know noise obviously i actually Uh like to work in coffee shops because i like some background noise that i'm not tuned into right but there's a right. level of <laughs> awareness mm-hmm. that some, particularly some white Brooklyn mothers, uh, do not yeah. uh, uh-huh. care about. Like, your kid is Child. not the only kid person in the world, so let's relax. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What about you? No. So your... Yeah, yeah. So your post is in in a lot of ways the same as mine, but mine's a little different. You know, so I'll tell people this. When I first met my husband, we were very big movie buffs. We would go to the movies, I feel like, almost every Monday. Um, and we would, you know, we every movie that would come out, we, we would see it. Um, and now it feels like, I, I don't know what it is or what's happening, but I just feel like these days, going to the movies has become the absolute worst thing I could ever experience. And so I'll give some context. When we went to see Ma this week, um, there, there's a fine line between going to a movie and people being like thrown, uh, like taken aback by a certain mm. scene or being like, oh shit, that yeah. was scary. Oh my God. Like, and that being funny and stuff. Right. But when you have someone who is one having a full blown conversation on to the left of you <laughs> and then someone down in the front giving commentary for every single scene it becomes annoying and so i am just at a place now where i'm going like i hate going to the movies because i feel like everybody is like they think they're in their living room and i'm going nah girl like i paid 30 something dollars to get into this movie <laughs> yeah. for me and my partner and then i had to spend another 15 dollars for popcorn and a drink Shut up. Like, if you want to talk about this movie, go on, get a fire stick. Go get a fire stick, stay in your living room, have all the conversations you want, but I don't want to have to pay to hear you talk as I'm watching a movie. Um, So I told my husband, I said, you know, I'm just at this place now where I don't even want to go to the theaters anymore. If I'm not going to a screening or I'm not going to one of those uppity, I don't know if you have them in New York, but I know we have them out here, the very uppity recliner, um... There's only eight people in the theater kind of situation, but you have to pay like $40 right. per ticket. Yeah. If it's not one of those, I'm not yeah. going. No, that reminds yeah. me. Of, maybe I said this before, too, but I remember it was Black Panther when we saw Black Panther. Um, so the theater's packed, can't move, can't move to a different seat. It's sold out. Right. And the peop- the two kids, they were young kids in front of me. We're like making out the entire movie and not not just Ugh. that, which like, OK, whatever. I'm like, OK, if all you want to do is make out, you don't need to pay for a movie ticket. Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't have a place to go. I don't know. But the movies are like, yeah, 15, 20 bucks. So whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but not only that, they were like leaning back into my knee because the 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 rows aren't that 
wide. So this is just the regular theater. Nope. So they kept like resting their head on my knee, one of their heads on my knee as they're making out. So I kept like jerking my knee and hitting them, and and they were like, oh whatever, and then just put it back. I'm like, are you for serious right now? You are gonna. Yeah. Like, my knee is your pillow as you make out at the movies. Like, I didn't pay for this shit. I think... Yeah, I think I'm going to start taking... If I ever do go back to a movie, a regular movie, which I have no intention to in the next couple of weeks, or even the next couple of months, I plan... I think I'm going to just take a spray (laughs) bottle. Like, the spray bottle that I have with my cat... Yes, and every time someone talks, or every time someone's... I'm just going to walk up to them and spritz them, just like a cat. And tell them, like, be quiet. Like, didn't nobody ask you for your commentary. <laughs> Shut up. But, oh, like Lord Jesus. That's why I said, like, I am just so annoyed. And so that that literally is what I also think felt like ruined the movie oh, for yeah. me, whereas I was so excited to see it. And then the whole time I have this couple next to me, like, just chatting away. Like, literally, just, it was literally like the peanut gallery. Every five seconds, they felt like they needed to say something. And I just, like, at one point I turned to them and was just like, really? Really? And then, like, they stopped for a moment, and they went right back to talking again, and I said, I'm good. I am move- I'm good on movie theaters for however long <laughs> I can can stand not going. But, yeah, that's ultimately my, my peeve slash annoyance this week. But overall, that's that on that. So, yeah, girl, do you got anything you want to, you know, want to push? Anything, any um, uh, announcements? Okay. This will be our episode before my book comes out, so... My book comes out June 11th, pre-order everywhere, libraries can get it, any bookstore you have can get it, Ain't I a Diva, Mm -hmm. it's from the Feminist Press, Um, Amazon has it, all that stuff, and there's going to be a bunch, probably next week a bunch of, there's going to be an excerpt uh, coming out in Lit Hub, there's going to be another piece I wrote about like the, the... Black feminist writers that have most influenced my teaching coming out in Mm. Bust. There is, I think, going to be another excerpt, an interview with me coming out for Bitch magazine or media. Yay! Um, What else? What else? What else? There is going to be a book event on June 12th if you're in New York City at Blue Stockings Bookstore in Manhattan. Um... I so wish with Zeba Blay, I'll be in conversation with Zeba. Uh, I'm having like a fun book party on Friday, June 14th, which is just like I'm throwing it for myself. So if you want to come to that, you can email me, tweet me, and I'll give you the details. I won't broadcast the whole thing over the uh, podcast. Um, what else? Oh, and and until the book comes out on Twitter, I've been doing a countdown um, where each day I reveal a little bit about another chapter. So by the time we're done with all the chapters, it'll be the next day it comes out. So you can follow that over on my Twitter, which is just Kevin Allred. Yay. I think that's it. Yay! Yeah. Insert clap, yeah. insert clap, insert clap, insert clap. Please, please, please. Yes, yeah. We well, like I said, mine's Yours already. I've already <laughs> pre-ordered, so I'm just waiting for mine to ship. 
I'm at this point. So that's really, I'm just, like I said, I'm really, really excited. I can't wait to read it. Um, I really cannot wait to just really get into, you know, the, the, the thoughts of, of, of Kevin Allred's mind in relation to our favorite, our, our favorite queen of all queens. Um, so yeah, so that's that. Um, for me, in terms of announcements, I don't really have anything major that I would like, oh, I have to tell everybody. Um I'll be one of my biggest announcements is that I'm tired. Um, I am, <laughs> I am very tired. Um, I am also, like I said, you know, I'm doing a lot. Um, to just make sure I keep the lights on between writing, between teaching, um, and then also trying to set off on my own little ventures. I am somewhat exhausted. But other than that, I'm excited. I got to interview um, someone from, I, I won't say who until the article drops, but I got to do an interview for Pose. So expect another uh, really cute article in relation to Pose coming out before the premiere next the Tuesday. The premiere is the same day as my book. So it's like... Uh- Oh, yeah. it's next Wednesday. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So it's like going to be a whole day. My book comes out. You can go get it at your bookstore and then watch the premiere of Pose that night. Will do. Will do. Yeah. So that's that. And then um, other than that, just a few other small things that are that I don't feel like really announcing right now. But overall, when they when they do come out and things happen, I will let everybody know. So. That's that on that. But other than that, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We love you for, um, I just, and, and there is, I do want to say this before we, before we sign out. Thank you. We, and I'll say we are, we are getting so much love from so many of you about our episodes and the ways that they speak to you and the things, um, that they have done for you. So thank you for that love. Continue to share the podcast with people. Let other people know, um, that we're here. And until then, we will continue to keep talking until, um, we find no reason to, to, to not, (laughs) we find a reason to not. But other than that, yes. Um, thank you again. And, uh, until next time, take care of yourselves. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> y'all know this when I want y'all to sing along and bop and bop. Bop. Beep up the fuck, boy, you'll notice. I'm the only lady you're still the realest nigga in the room. I break the internet top two and I ain't number two. My body, my eyes, my cash. How real, I'm a triple threat. Fuck it up in Italy, come back, fuck it up and leave again. Top out of coop and it looks like bring me. In the hood, hollering, bring me. Two deep visions, me and Jay just posted in them cold side seats. Woo! I'm like, holla. Woo! I'm like, brother. They trying to party with the queen, they gon' have to sign a non-disclosure. I took the top out the Maybay. I took the top out the Maybay.